And welcome to Gleaming the Geek, catching up with each other edition. And mostly, that means <laughs> talking about food edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm John Bonus of uh, TwinsDaily.com. With me, Aaron Gleaming of TheAthletic.com. And we have spent the uh, last five minutes, uh, before we actually turn on the mic, talking about food already. <laughs> food we regret having eaten. <laughs> food we probably will regret <laughs> eating. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, I haven't seen it. John's beach sweats or beach, pasta sweats. Yeah, maybe? I, I got the pasta sweats. You got the pasta sweats from from Buka last it's night. It's all very exciting for the listener, I'm sure. <laughs> John is uh, back in town, back in in the the U.S. of A. From uh, you went to Amsterdam, Lithuania, and Sweden. That is correct. Which is a very interesting trio. I feel that like is that's a very common trio. trio. Yeah. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, like you guys should get an award. You're one of 30 <laughs> people ever to do that <laughs> to, make, to make that track. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Uh, you saw how, how many wild games did you see? Two, two wild games. Did yep. they win either of them? They lost both of them in uh, one in overtime and one in a shootout. So okay. they got two points out of those two games. So you're not allowed to see any more wild. games. No, that's right. You uh, ran into uh, our friend and, and multi-time guest, Betsy Hellfand, who was covering the Wild for the Pioneer Press. Well, that's right. We had a lot of fun with Betsy yeah. and her friend. And her, she had a fr- she has a friend uh, who lives out there named Mitzi? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Mitzi or Missy? Mitzi, I think. Uh, and going into it, Betsy was like, I don't know if I'll introduce her to the bonuses. You know, <laughs> it's kind of a special vibe, the bonuses, the boni. <laughs> As we like to call them. And then uh, you guys sent out a, you tweeted out a little selfie that you guys met up at some brewery, it looked like, because you had a beer. She wanted that selfie, just so we're clear. She wanted that selfie, not to tweet out, but basically to send to her friends who are listeners. Because she's like, I've got some friends who really like Can you you imagine? (laughs) I'm out there playing with It's like when people go to a Taylor Swift (laughs) concert. Can I get a selfie? Uh, And then she reported uh, the next day. Oh, my my friend really thought the bonuses were a lot of fun. And I was like, yeah, they, they are a lot of fun. I'm the, really the only one who doesn't appreciate how much fun you guys are, <laughs> I would say. I'm all funned out. With the <laughs> right, yeah. You've had too much fun. I, I've known, I, I've heard for 20 years now, the, hey, I hung out with the bonuses last night. They were a lot of fun. Yeah. That's like, I hung out with uh, Yao Ming last night. He's really tall. It's like, Yeah. <laughs> Right. If you didn't think that, you would be. Uh, so yes, the, you missed. Uh, you missed the uh, the reunion of the, the at least a partial reunion though of the trivia team. The uh, yeah, what is it, the washed up scribes yeah. trivia team? Did you guys win? No, we did not win. Oh well, you, you yeah, need dough yeah. really. Well, well dough carries know. a lot. I don't know. I think I think there's just a disadvantage uh, when you are a foreigner in a uh, foreign country talking, even though it was all in English. They're not really English. American questions. Yeah, the like pop for, culture. Like, like for yeah. instance, one of them was something like, um, uh, you know, what is the uh, the alcohol percentage that you can sell in stores in Sweden is in, in grocery stores is three point five percent. What is it in Norway? <laughs> You're like, we haven't gotten there yet. That's our next stop. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> so that one we didn't have much of a shot at. We did pretty well on some of those, like. Uh, Chrissy got a Brian Adams one out of out of nowhere because well, he's Canadian. Because Brian, That's well, not even. I know it was uh, something about the crooner from Vancouver or something like that, and um, or the Groover, the Groover from Vancouver. Is that and a he's, real and he's also yeah, that's, just that's one of the worst nicknames they, I've ever heard. 
<laughs> plus he was all and he'll be playing in Stockholm in oh. like June or yeah. something like that. And we happened to have seen a poster while we were walking around Stockholm about Brian Adams went. That's got to be him. Well, we're happy for you. So you went to those three places. You found beer in all three places. Shocking. You played yeah. trivia. Yep. Good beer in that area. You saw wild Northern games. Europeans. Yep. You ran into multiple people from here who yes. you already knew. Yes, yes. That's a, I don't know. Success. And you made it back alive. Made it back alive to do a show and to do a show. I, and I've got all the uh, Thanksgiving stuff over there on the right. counter to get prepared for. I'm right. Cooking up a bunch of Thanksgiving this is stuff our, before uh, we watch the Sixers versus the Wolves tonight, and then. Uh, Run a 5K tomorrow and do our Ugh. Thanksgiving feast on, God. on the afternoon. Yeah. If I can't, first of all, I wouldn't go to those three countries. Not because I have anything <laughs> against those three countries. I wouldn't. I couldn't make the flight. It's we, too long uh, of a flight. I did not find out until midway through the trip while I was in Lithuania. No, actually, I think I was in Stockholm when we actually yeah. talked. But what, that you were partly Lithuanian. I can't believe I never yeah. knew that. Considering the reason we went there is because my wife is... Oh, I thought you were going to say to get away from you. The <laughs> they didn't have signs up like home of Aaron Gleeman's no, ancestors. No, they did not. Or like keep out. If you see this, <laughs> he's going to claim he's lit lock and he don't let him in. Is that a? Is that like saying? Uh, is that a derogatory? What like, is Litvak? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea what my family <laughs> used to say that, but as I say it, it occurs to me that it could be like a pole. You know, I won't say the other one. But anyway, um, now that John's back, I'm trying to. This show is going to. It's our Thanksgiving episode, so yes. thank you to everyone. Yes. I don't know. We say this a lot. I feel like we're. Maybe you can never be too grateful. No, I guess, exactly right. We. Uh, it's not just pandering. It's in we, fact really yes. heartfelt thanks. It's not just pandering. It's a little <laughs> pandering, but it's also other things. Sure. I like that. It's not just pandering. <laughs> Uh, we were, we always, this time of year, go over like, uh, you know, this, the year long numbers and all that stuff. And we're settling up for tax purposes and all this stuff. Taking orders for next year's Taking ads. Taking orders for next year's ads and also just planning what we want to do for the off season guests or how many times a week we want to do and all that. And it really, uh, it's, this show has become something you wouldn't know it from the five-minute intro that we've had here. But this show has become <laughs> something that we never really imagined it becoming. And uh, as you listen to us babble now, it's not because we've gotten uh, so much better. It's because you guys, for whatever reason, have enjoyed the show and have tuned <laughs> You've in. you just and, grown accustomed to it. Yeah, Stockholm, <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome, really. Uh, you were just in Stockholm. You, yeah, exactly right. I don't know. Do they talk a lot about the syndrome? No, they don't. No. You, yeah, I figure they wouldn't. But uh, So, yeah, I just want to say thank you. Like... Um, this uh, this show has become. I'm in. Uh, we're talking a lot about free agency on this show, probably pitching, all that. I uh, my contract is through the end of the year, and I've been talking the athletic, obviously. But this show has changed the way I view everything like that. Like, right. uh, if right. I'd have had this show when I was at, let's say, NBC or Baseball Prospectus or something like that. Uh, my mindset would have been completely different because this show is in its own thing in and of itself is a big thing bigger than right. you know a lot of other stuff we've done and that's purely because you guys have uh, have turned it into that so i thank you for that i apologize at the same time for the, the content of the last <laughs> eight minutes or whatever now but uh that's what it is so my goal for for this episode Nothing. Obviously, the Twins haven't done uh, any signings or trades, although they have made some decisions that will go over with arbitration. Uh, tender, non-tender deadline was, what, last Friday? Yes. Um, they've added and 
decided not to add some guys to the 40-man roster for the Rule 5 draft, which we can go over. And then they also just dropped a couple of guys, one of which is injured, that we can talk about. But really, there's just sort of a, a bunch of little news and notes, twins-wise, but also just across the league. And I figured John's been gone for I two weeks. Gone, yep. Even when John's in town, some of this stuff sometimes <laughs> slips by him. So I was like, this is a good opportunity that's right. to just catch, catch up, up with John. Is sort of yeah. the, that's right. That's yeah, right. That's right. Um, it's, a, in, it's a face-to-face Along catch Along with John. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the I guess the biggest thing, twins-wise, since uh, last we spoke in person, were the arbitration eligible. They, got, they had already cut... You know, Jordan Luplo and Jose De Leon and I'm forgetting one other person, I think. But they were down to seven arbitration eligible players coming into this last week, which was the deadline. And Friday was the deadline to either tender them. The the phrasing of the, as with a lot of things in baseball, make it overly complicated. Because people I know are like, well, what's the difference between non-tendering a guy and releasing them? Nothing, really. Same thing. It's just... The phrasing is different because non-tendering is attached to arbitration specifically, and right. they, but they had seven arbitration eligible players uh, with you know projected salaries anywhere from a million on the low side to six point six million on the high side, which was Kyle Farmer, and we we've talked quite a bit over the last few weeks about like most of in general most arbitration eligible players are kept. If if the player like okay they cut Jose De Leon because he's out with Tommy right. John and also was sort of a marginal reliever for them, right. but the arbitration you know the built-in raises that come through arbitration didn't really factor into that. Right. For instance, there are built-in raises, but they still it's still a suppressed salary generally a, yes. to what uh, a player's value is worth. And in fact, we have even gone as far as saying like. Sometimes you can kind of say, okay, is this player going to be a three-year arbitration player or is it going to be a two-year right. or a one-year arbitration player? And one-year arbitration player means is barely barely worth keeping at all, right, if you only are willing to keep it from one year of arbitration because you're still paying him about a third of what he'd make on the free agent right. market. I mean, like, times, right? for instance, Nick Gordon is an example of kind right. of what we're talking about, which is Nick Gordon, the minimum salary in baseball is for this season is going to be 740000 I think. Something I think like that's that. right. Uh, Nick Gordon's... Is arbitration eligible for the first time out of potentially three times? And MLB Trade Rumors, which does arbitration projections pretty well uh, every offseason, they have like a formula basically, has projected him to have a million-dollar arbitration salary. Right. Well, there's no functional difference for a major league team, even one that's lowering payroll like the Twins between $1 million and $740,000. Just just as a very, very high level, you know, for the first three years more or less of being a player – you get whatever the, the team's willing to pay you above the minimum rate, yes. right? And the minimum rate is seven hundred and forty thousand dollars. And generally, you know, if you perform a little better than that, they'll give you know the guy who hit a little bit better seven hundred and eighty, and they'll give the other right. guy seven hundred. But they don't have to. Like they but they don't have to, right? They do straight up minimum. Want. The next three years, they get they we go through the arbitration process. You can get significant raises during those arbitration process, but it's all you know. It's at least a shared responsibility between the team and the player. The, team gets to decide whether or not they're going to offer arbitration and and thus you know 
pay them more money and the player gets to the player doesn't get to accept it or doesn't get to accept it they they just automatically accept it they have to they have to get it but right. they get compensated a little bit more and the point is you're trying to get those three raises to kind of get you to sort of what a starting player would get at that position right. as a the- free agent theoretically the third and final arbitration <clears throat> eligible season for a player um which is also their sixth season of service time, right? is supposed to mimic as closely as possible what that player would get like per season as an annual salary as a free agent. Right. And so you'll see like, I don't know, Shohei Otani I think made like $30 million right. or something like that's that. Right. Yeah. Now, that's lower than he, what he would get, but it's supposed to kind of mimic right. that. Now, now, in Nick Gordon's case, Nick Gordon is eligible for arbitration because he's very close to three years right. of arbitration. Because of, even, of even though he didn't, he got he broke his leg in May, right, and then didn't play the rest of the season. He was on the major league roster on the injured list, right. but on the major league roster for the full season that accrues a full year of service time, which was his third full year of service time. Right. So. And you know, a player like him who is you know generally got you know about three plus years or three ish years of arbitration and has this kind of stats makes about this much money overall, and that's what the that's what the arbitrator comes in on as the award. Right. So the Twins had coming into the last week, they had seven guys. And we had debated, you know, is Farmer worth keeping at six and a half million, roughly? That's the expectation. Is Gordon worth keeping? Not because of the million, but is Gordon just worth keeping on the 40 man roster? If he is worth keeping, then he's definitely worth keeping for a million. Because it's only going to cost you a couple more than a couple hundred thousand. Same thing with Jorge Alcala. It has a million dollar, roughly, uh, projected arbitration total. It's not, is he worth keeping at a million? It's just, is he worth keeping? But I had heard, and we talked about this. Was it on the Patreon? Must have been on the Patreon. Uh, leading into this past like Wednesday, I guess, we talked. And I had heard they were going to tender to all seven right. guys. Yes. I had also heard you know, they're talking to teams about Farmer and possibly some of the other guys, but specifically about, about Farmer. And so when Friday's deadline came and went, the Twins, of course, were uh, one of the last teams to submit their actual uh, news of that. It came after the deadline. Uh, and they kept all seven. So... On one hand, as expected, at least if you listen to the Patreon podcast three days earlier before that, on the other hand, you know, they, that doesn't necessarily mean, in fact, it doesn't mean it at all, that those seven will be on the opening day roster or in the organization on opening day. It just means now Kyle Farmer knows that someone, some team (laughs) is going to be taking him through the arbitration process and paying him what will be roughly six and a half million dollars. It might be the twins. I personally don't think it will be the the twins twins trade him to another team. The other team can't decide to not offer him arbitration. I don't know why they would trade for him if they were going to not offer arbitration, but they're stuck with whatever the arbitration comes up with. And so what the twins were trying to figure out, I think at the last minute, it sounds like, you know, they felt like farmer at six and a half million Regardless of their own, you know, self-imposed budget that they're lowering, is had a value to the other twenty-nine teams at minimum that was at least six and a half million. Now, you know, you can debate that. I think that's probably true, similar to the way that last offseason Gio Urshela had an arbitration figure of like between eight and nine million, and. it was like, well, the, the twins aren't going to keep him at that amount because they, at the time, thought Jose Miranda was going to be the third baseman. Right. But there should be at least a team out there that wants him as their starting third baseman at that amount. It ended up there was literally only one team. It was the Angels, right. and they traded him to the Angels for uh, Anderson Hildalgo, which was like a low-level prospect. It's the same kind of scenario with Farmer. 
Farmer at six and a half million for a team with a two hundred million dollar payroll and a need at second or third or short or even just a high end utility guy. Right. Yeah, that's a that's decent value. It's not like a great value, but it's it's value. I mean, the Twins paid him five and a half million to fill that role for them last year. But if the Twins are lowering payroll from 155 to like 135 let's say and they no longer need them at shortstop because they have correa signed you no longer need them at third base theoretically because you have royce lewis you got polanco and julian at second on and on he's like kind of a luxury item for a team that doesn't really have the budget for luxury items right. at this point so the question with farmer he's been tendered a contract now it's will they keep him keep him which he'd be their backup infielder again at six and a half million or will they between now and well January is when the actual arbitration cases happen? But they could go through arbitration and still trade him. Will they find a taker for him that that wants to kind of take that one year six and a half million dollar deal for Farmer off their hands? I that is my guess as what will happen. But it's I think it's probably going to be similar to Urshela last offseason where they're not going to get much for him. Right. Like it's it's kind of a sign and trade yeah. situation. It's not like he has twenty million in value and he's getting paid six and a half million. I think you could maybe make the case he has like eight million in value right. and he's getting paid six and a half million. You could probably also make a case that he has five million in value and is getting paid six and a half million yes. if you think he's not going to age that well or whatever. So that's the situation with Farmer. The other six uh, arbitration eligible players that they tendered contracts to. We just mentioned Nick Gordon and Elkla, right. who were potential non tender candidates, but will be. Uh, are tendered at a million dollars is the expectation for them. Uh, and then the four that I would have said were just no, no brainers, brainers from the right. start, which is Alex Kirilov, Ryan Jeffers, Willie Castro, Caleb Thielbar, all of them in the one and a half to three and a half million dollar range, basically. Right. I think Castro at 3.3 projected is the highest one. So those are all no brainers. Uh, that's kind of where they, they're at. And then along with that, they cut. Uh, Giovanni Moran and Ronnie Henriquez, two relievers from the 40-man roster, they weren't arbitration eligible. They just used uh, that deadline to do that. Right. Moran, they also announced, along with releasing him, that he's either had or about to have Tommy John surgery, right. uh, which is news to, to me and as far as I can tell anybody outside the Twins. Uh, he must have gotten hurt while pitching at AAA down the stretch. If you look, he was not good right. uh, at AAA down the stretch. That's why he, Cody Funderburk got called up in September right. instead of him as the second lefty because he just his control was all over the place at AAA. It's unfortunate. I mean, I think control all over the place is often something. Yes, a precursor even for to, him. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, he's had bad control <clears throat> always, but uh, it's a shame because I think. They really had high hopes for him this year. Yes. And, and, and they leaned on him in positions throughout the season that suggested they had high hopes for him. Yeah. And I mean, last year, throughout the minors in past years, and then last year he pitched, or two years ago, 2022, he pitched like 30 something good innings. Then, like you said, last year he was, you know, not in the late inning mix, but in the kind of medium leverage mix. Right. And they gave him plenty of spots where he was in, you know, game affecting situations. Yes. Most of the time it didn't go well. Some of the time it went well. He just never, and you know, you watch him and when he's on and he's throwing strikes, right. it's a, you look at him and you go, how is this guy not a good And You take a look at his overall stats and you're like, well, yeah, he's a little wild, but boy, right. look at that strikeout he, rate and so on. But the problem is that he ends up, you know, he'll have two outings in a row where he looks absolutely dominant and one where he's just a right. complete meltdown candidate. And, yeah. 
you watch him, and first of all, lefties who get strikeouts are always going to be valuable. He, you know, kind of he improved his raw stuff for the past two or three years to the point that he was like 93, 94 with the fastball. But his changeup has always been. I mean, I remember when he was in single A at 21 or whatever, and and Twins officials, when you started talking to them about prospects and stuff, would be like, oh, his changeup is a major league changeup. And the question with him was, can he get the fastball velocity up, and can he throw enough strikes? And he did get the fastball velocity up to the point that he could challenge lefties and righties with his fastball, but the changeup is key. And the, But the only way that a changeup like that works for a pitcher like him, especially in relief, is you can't be behind in the count. It can't be a 3-1 changeup. It's just a slow fastball. Right. Isn't effective. <laughs> right, yeah, because right, there's right. no danger to the hitter. They can just take it for a strike if right. they want. Right. It has to be you know 1-2, 0-2, 2-2, <sighs> something like that. Right. There has to be the danger with a pitch like that. And this is true of a lot of off-speed pitches or breaking balls. Of If you don't swing at this and it's a strike, you're out. Right. And that has to be the danger. And he just could not put himself. Got to be able to get ahead in the count. Right. And if you can't throw strikes, yes. you have trouble getting ahead in it the really count. Kind of, it really kind of it cuts off your avenues for success when you right. can't get ahead. And he just walked too many guys in too many big spots. Um, he, he was intriguing, though, because I don't, I'm not trying to talk about him like he's dead or anything, but he's going to miss the next season. Right. But uh, 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 So what I had heard is that they're working on a, a two-league minor league deal. Yes. With him him right? and Henriquez, it sounds like they're going to try to – Signed so both of them to a minor league deal, right? Okay, uh, but they're off the forty man roster in the meantime. But the what made Giovanni Moran so interesting, and he's still only like 25, 26 years old, I think. But was he's a lefty who got a lot of strikeouts? That's always intriguing. But then beyond that, because of the changeup, which we've talked a lot about, changeups are typically more effective against opposite handed right. hitters. Yeah, right. And so when you have a lefty reliever, most of the time you're trying <laughs> right. to find spots yeah, right. where you can use them against lefty hitters. And that kind of limits the workload. It's kind of, you know, a lot of guys used to be lefty specialists before right. the three batter, right. Uh, right. you know, Jesse right. Orozco. And still you'd rather have them, you know, right. a place where you're going to have a number of lefties. Right. In the but Moran actually pretty consistently in the minors and in the majors was more effective or has been more effective against righties than lefties. And so you could almost use him to your advantage, like strategically, in that you could put him in the game against right-handed hitters right. and know that there's no bench move possible for the opponent. Right. And you could put him in the game against lefties and kind of count on the other manager to just knee-jerk go, well, I'll remove that lefty hitter for a righty hitter. Right. And then that yeah. plays into his hands. So that was why there was so much perceived upside with Moran. Right. And I was, I'm a, I was a big believer in Moran, too. Uh, but he just doesn't throw strikes, and now obviously Tommy John is—it's unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't rule out him coming back a year from now and being pretty good. Although guys with control problems, Tommy John's not going to really—Tommy John surgery is not going to really help that. But it's unfortunate. I think it opens the door for sure for Funderburk to make the opening day yeah, roster as a second yeah, lefty, right. uh, and then Theobar obviously we talked about as an arbitration eligible guy. Ronnie Henriquez they got from. The Rangers in the Mitch Garver, right. Kiner Falefa, which yeah. turned into then the Josh Donaldson deal. Right. Uh, and I know they liked him a lot at the time. He was kind of a uh, string bean, uh, short, skinny. Uh, he was a starter at the time, but kind of right. moved to I think they were, I think both of those guys are guys, both Moran and Enriquez are guys they had high hopes yes. for moving from AAA into the bullpen and potentially being impact relievers for the next Two, three, four years. Yes. Enriquez, they kept on a starter path up to the point where they moved him to the Saints. And I think even at the beginning of the season, it was sort of like a, well, 
Yeah, we're going to go train him. Innings, to be, yeah, we're going yeah, to try to train him to kind of keep him keep him up as a starter. But the idea is that yeah, eventually we we want we want him to have that workload so that he can fill multiple roles in the Twins bullpen because we want him in the Twins bullpen. Right. Which you've right. seen they've done that with like Winder and Sands right. and Hedrick and right. the, you know the two or three inning role. He just he didn't throw strikes either. I mean his stuff yeah. kind of came and went. Like he's another guy. I mean, when he was on 96, 98 yeah. with the fastball, good slider, he just couldn't consistently throw straight. training with some yes, shoulder some, issues or some something. Shoulder like problems. That, yeah. So those two guys are gone. Uh, we can get into – they also uh, – they had previously dropped Hilberto Celestino from the 40-man roster like at the end of the season. He, I saw, signed a minor league deal I'm glad with that. the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, so that's – I don't know. Another. I'm not sorry to hear that. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to hear that then, because I liked him. I liked Celestino. I You're sorry him. that he's going to the Pirates. Yeah, I am sorry he's going to the Pirates. It's a good. I'm glad for him, but I'm. It's a good yeah, place well. for a guy to try to get playing time, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, for sure, absolutely. Not, nope. He didn't it's sign good, with good, the, good for him and the his Dodgers. Agent. Well done, agent. Yeah, I yeah guess. exactly right. Uh, so okay, before we get into some of the other 40 man roster stuff and Sonny Gray and all that stuff, let's talk about our first couple of sponsors here. Soda Stick. It is Black Friday. Coming up, you guys are starting to look at, you know, presents for under the tree uh, over the next month or so. And usually we talk about, we, we go talk about the same stuff with Soda Stick on a regular basis, how they've got a lot of imaginative designs. And if you go out there, you're going to find something for somebody for sure. But Black Friday, uh, they also got deals for you. Yeah, yeah but uh, they never do sales. They, yeah, they, they don't have to. We, we usually give you a promo code for, you know, Gleeman for 15% off. Not going to give that to you, yeah. Because now they've got twenty percent off Friday through Monday this week, site wide. Oh, uh, yeah, site wide. The big Black Friday sale. They do that. They don't do this very often. And you get twenty percent off Black Friday sale on SodaStickCo.com or just Google SodaStick Soda like Minnesota. And any order over ninety nine bucks, you'll also get a free winter knit beanie while supplies last, and, and free shipping. On all the orders over ninety nine bucks, makes a great twenty percent off. Stuffer. Yeah, they've got socks, they've got uh, they've got shirts, they've got hats, they've got uh, lots of little paraphernalia stuff. They've got bigger stuff too, like uh, hoodies and uh, suits and all kinds of stuff. So soda stick, soda stick co dot com. Check out the Black Friday deal. That's right. Game time, which uh, if you. Let's see. What would uh, you might want to go to Timberwolves? I was, I, I was literally I turn, game type this morning. Tournament games. <laughs> I, I almost bought tickets to the. Uh, to, they had some uh, lower bowl seats for the uh, Wolves versus the Sixers tonight. Yeah. That. Uh, that we are thinking about purchasing as we speak because my wife is a Sixers fan and because we got in town yesterday and it kind of stuck up on us and yeah. we're like and you can't go more than 24 hours without leaving the house and going to do something right <laughs> exactly yeah. so yeah, that's exactly right so you uh, can use the game time app which is yeah. it's not a website it's an app on your phone we've both used it John uses it a lot to get twins tickets the, it's it's for hard to find tickets and or last minute tickets and right. it can be sporting events concerts shows whatever you can literally use it like as you're walking to the stadium yes. or the ballpark that's yes. how quick it can happen that's it can just put up the ticket on your phone and if you so you down download the game time app on your phone you create an account use the code gleeman and you get twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply but create an account redeem the code g-l-e-e-m-a-n for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right um yeah, if I came back from an international trip, I'd be like, well, I won't see y'all for three weeks. I need to rest up. 
you guys were like, we got to go out tonight, see the 76ers. Well, we should, you know, the Sixers only come here once a year. We wouldn't even be doing this podcast if I were you and I would just come back. Because I'd be like, I'm not doing the next day. No. Last night we stayed up late watching the Sixers lose. That was fun. Yeah, you're maniacs <laughs> is what you are. Uh, okay, so the other uh, 40-man roster thing, they added four players. Two of them they added like two weeks ago, and then two of them they added at the, de- uh, the deadline this past week to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. Uh, Junior Severino and Jair Camargo were the two they added previously. Those guys were added earlier than the others because they were also minor league free agents, so they had to be stopped from becoming free agents, which is an earlier deadline. And then right at the deadline, the actual Rule 5 ad deadline, they added two of the biggest no-brainers you'll ever see on the prospect side, which is Emmanuel Rodriguez and Austin Martin. Right. So I think their 40-man roster now is at 36, I want to say. Uh, after dropping Moran and Henriquez, don't quote me on Might that. Might be 35. It's I thought it was 37, and then they dropped those two, but I could be wrong. Uh, so the only uh, I'd written I mean, a no week way. earlier, uh, putting the 10, like the 10 most, I do this every year, but the 10 most prominent prospects who are eligible for the Rule 5 draft and kind of in order of how likely I felt or how not even how likely I wasn't trying to predict, but like sort of how I would have viewed them in terms of protecting him. Sure. Like Emmanuel Rodriguez right. was number one. Yeah. Because on the one side it's on the one hand, it's, you know, how good of a prospect are they? Right. But on the other one, there's also some gamesmanship involved with the rule five draft such that right. you really, there are certain players that are a little more desirable in the rule five draft because the rule is in the rule five draft. You have to, if you take them in the rule five draft, they have to be on your major league roster for the entire season for, for you to hang on to them. And there are some player types that are hard to keep on a roster for an entire season. And there's some player types that are a little easier to do. Yeah, that it's for. much easier to keep by a reliever or a, you know, utility infielder or a right. fourth outfielder than it is a starting pitcher right. or, you know, a slugging first baseman. But if right. they've only played at low A, which there's a, there's some prospects who are just so good, Emmanuel Rodriguez being one of them, that he, he right. you hasn't played above right. high A and he's 20. Right. But if he's a top 50 global prospect, if they didn't protect yeah. him from the Rule 5 draft, I don't care if he's 12 years old. Yeah. Kansas City Royals are going to find a room right. for him I mean, on the roster. Right. Yes, that's right. But there are other prospects, like, for instance, I'm trying to think, uh, Ricardo Olivar or Jose Salas. This is deep in the bag for, <laughs> for prospect yeah. uh, hounds. But those guys are, like, 20, and they played at low A or high A. But they're not elite prospects. They're just potentially right. pretty good prospects. Olivar they had a great They could potentially year. still develop. But yes, yes. But the... The thing that you're trying to figure out is, yeah, I mean, are they a good enough prospect that you don't want to lose them for nothing? Absolutely. But you kind of have to do the math in your head and think, even bad teams who are picking at the top of the Rule 5, who don't really have anything to lose by keeping a player on their Major League roster because their Major League roster is terrible anyway. But do you want to, let's say, draft a low A shortstop right. who didn't even like Salas didn't even have a good year he had a bad year, no, a bad year. <laughs> yeah. and kind of stunt his development for a year yeah for, first of all you have to carry him on your 26 man roster for the right. entire year and then how much and, are you going to play and then second of all you are in fact screwing with his development for a year right. when he's 22 I mean the two choices right. there yeah. right. if you are keeping him first of all a lot of these guys just don't get kept for the full season right. in which case you just offer him back to the original team right if you do keep him for the full season your two choices are you're going to play him a lot right. As a 20-year-old coming from A-ball 
who is just completely overmatched. Right. And what does that do from a developmental standpoint, <laughs> right. just a psyche standpoint? Right. And then the other option that you see more commonly is the guy will just be a little used backup. Like he'll be the right. 26th guy, right. but he might as well be the 30th guy on right. the roster. Exactly. Like right. he'll get 85 at bats over the course of a season, pinch run a right. few times or whatever. You're and basically shortening your bench from four guys to three guys. Yes. And also, yeah, right. you, yeah. you know, yeah. while game reps are not everything, you can work with that type of player behind the scenes, certainly, and, sure. and have them improve their skills, but you're still losing right. 600 plate appearances or whatever that you would have gotten in high A or double A or whatever. And so that's the gamble that teams like the Twins are trying to figure out. Part of it is just how good is this player? How how high is this guy's upside? You know, a guy like Rodriguez, he would be the number one pick in every Rule 5 draft ever sure. if he were available. Even someone like Austin Martin, who's much closer to the majors, isn't a super high upside prospect at this point, I don't think. But it would be an easy choice for one sure. of the, if not the top uh, choice in the Rule 5. So those guys are no-brainers. Then you start to get into like, well, you know, Severino had a really nice year at double A AA and triple A. He's basically, I don't think he's going to be a star, but he's basically majorly ready. Right. Some team, he popped 35 homers as a switch hitting first baseman. Why wouldn't some bad team just go, all right, there's a free DH or a free first baseman? Camargo, uh, I yeah. don't think he's got star potential, but he's a 24-year-old catcher, catcher with some power. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, why wouldn't you team- a third catcher on your roster and then right. maybe you get some. Exactly. Or even just right. make him a backup. Right. Or right. So those guys were no-brainers. The, the one... I thought I personally would have also protected, would have been a fifth uh, that I protected. I, I ranked them third. So they, I had it Rodriguez and Martin 1-2, and then I had uh, Severino, Camargo 4-5. I okay. listed 10. And I basically said I'd keep the top five. The guy in the third spot was Deshaun Kersey, who is a, a kind of a late blooming, I think he was drafted by the Twins in 2018 or something. He's like 26 years old, but just a prototypical fourth outfielder. Left-handed hitter. Very fast, legit center fielder who can play the other two spots. He stole like 40 bases last year. The thing that he made it to the Saints last year. Made it to the Saints right. last year. I mean, so he's close to major yes. league. Yeah. And had something of a breakout for him offensively where he hit 15 homers after totaling 14 homers the previous four years. And so maybe played himself into, you could, you know, squint and see him as like a platoon starter sure. instead of just the fourth or fifth outfielder. But again, these 40 man roster spots are, you know, like we said, they're at, I think, 36 now. Well, if you sign a couple of free agents and you claim a guy off waivers or something, you're at 40 again. And you can't remove these guys that you add to protect them from the 40-minute roster until, I think, until opening day, I want to say. It's either late spring training or opening day. And so you can't just remove a guy and then quickly, or put a guy on and then remove him. And so with Kersey, I personally would have protected him. But the decision there, like the, you know, inflection point there is, do we think a team will take him? Yeah, maybe. You know, he's just a very easy 26-year-old fourth outfielder sure. type. But also, if we don't view him as part of our center field mix now, when we don't have a center fielder right, right. now at the moment atop the depth chart, will we ever? And if you you have Martin ahead of him on the depth chart yeah. and you're still hoping for Buxton and you got it's like, well, yeah. He's definitely in a pool of like three or four guys that could be part of the solution there, right? But right. Which but, I would have, but, but like you said, we need a center fielder. Like how many teams that don't need a center fielder? True, be, but and you so only need to find one. It's, you know, it's partly do we think he'll get taken? Which I think it's possible. I don't think, I think he, so too. You know, 
it's going to be a couple dozen guys taken probably. And then within that, will he stick? I do think if he gets taken, he'll stick because there's no reason to take a fourth, a speedy fourth outfielder. And what are you going to be surprised with? How old with? was he again though? 26. I yeah. Uh, but then also, if he does get taken and if he does stick all season right. and he's no longer part of the Twins organization, I mean, clearly they don't view that as like some big, you know, dent in their farm system, right. which I probably would disagree with. I don't think he's going to be a star or anything, but I think he has a skill set that pretty easily translates to at least being a useful role player in the majors. But I suggest that they want to have four guys open for four spots open for the 40 man roster, which means, yes. you know, which one of the more interesting things about this is when you take it, when you get to this point, you can kind of take a look and say, well, they want four spots open on that 40 man roster. I wonder what those 40 spots are for. Now we've talked a little bit about, you know, uh, they definitely, definitely want a starting pitcher. They definitely want a center fielder. So that's two of those spots. And that's when they were doing these uh, 40-man roster moves in stages. They first opened up those two spots. And now they've opened up two more on the 37-36. So it is or 37th and 38th, I guess. Uh, you know, what are those uh, What are those two spots going to be used for? It could be that they've got their eye on somebody that they think is going to be available in the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, although they it haven't be, drafted anybody no, they have not, they have for not, a long time. They, no, this has, not been a, this has not been something that they have really done, but it'll be interesting to see what happens at the winter meetings to see if they uh, are doing something like that. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, or if the person is even going to be available. I was there, right? bored off my ass last year. I was all excited. <laughs> Do they have some uh, relievers that they, th- they think are going to be available that they can get off of waivers or they can add on right. minor league stuff or, you know, they, are they interested in adding a right-handed hitter to replace Luplo, something like that you yeah. know it's so yeah the the actual rule five is the last day of the winter meetings which is in i'll be in nashville this year for that it's, it'll be december 6th maybe i want to say something like that yeah. end of the first week in december uh last year i was told um when i went it was in what was the winter it's san diego last year okay I go so many places, John. I lose track. You know? <laughs> it's true. I'm going it's one to true. two places a year right. at this point. I'm yes. jet setting. It's easy to lose track. Fort Myers, San Diego. That's it. Might well, to go to <laughs> Vegas last year, I guess. Uh, I was told they had a guy they were going to take, and then at the last minute decided, eh, let's not take it. I think part of the problem with the Twins, it's not like a good or bad thing to be taking guys in the Rule 5 draft. Obviously, you know, Johan, Shane Mack, they've had some real success yeah. stories there. Ryan Presley was one. Um. They've also lost some good players in the Rule 5, but part of it is, like this year, they're picking pretty late in the Rule 5. Right, yep. Like, even if someone kind of screws up and leaves a guy unprotected, right. they're not going to make it to the, you know, whatever they are, right. the 18th pick or the 20th pick or whatever. But I think they also just value the roster functionality right. too much yeah. to take some 21-year-old. I mean, can you imagine them trying to protect a Rule 5 draft right. person on this roster? I mean, unless that person was really... They'd almost have to be somebody, you know, triple A level or right. something that they were, uh, or, or a reliever, you know, somebody yeah. like that that they thought they were going to be able to. It's hang tricky out to, because right? I mean they use the full roster, the Twins, <laughs> like, <laughs> and some teams don't. Like I, Atlanta, who by the way is a better team than the Twins, right? I, I remember like in mid August, as of like mid August or early September last year, they had used like backup infielders like a total of like fifteen starts or something like that. I mean that's a month for the Twins, right. like not even it's a couple of weeks, and so. For Atlanta, if they really like some 21-year-old from high A and he was an infielder, they could just stash him and have him get 80 plate appearance. But the Twins don't really do that. I mean, everybody was used. They used the whole right. – it's like I the mean, they're, they're farm to table. They used the whole animal. Their Rule 5 draft pick was essentially Willie Castro. And by the way, they didn't right. keep him on the rest of the whole season. True. <laughs> you know, they, he was somebody that was not – 
nobody thought really belonged on that roster. He ended up working his way into that roster. But he got there in part because there were injuries on that yes. roster. And then he kept just doing enough in backup roles throughout the season to remain on the roster for the whole season. Right. And by the way, even Willie Castro had a minor league option remaining last year. <laughs> right. They could have sent him yeah, to right. AAA, which they would you're have right. done if there hadn't been injuries coming out of spring training. Right. Whereas the guys taken in the Rule 5 almost always have their full assortment of three That's minor league point. options, except they can't be sent down. That's right. Because yes. they have to remain on the major league roster all season. So uh, that'll be, uh, I don't know, if they take somebody, obviously we'll talk about it December 6th. I think, you know, I could see someone like Aaron Sabato being taken because he's a former first-round pick. They're, they're at yeah. risk for losing. There's always two to four guys, I would say, in a decent farm system that you're at risk for losing. To me, the only one that I would really be like, oh, damn, they they screwed that up. Is uh, is Deshaun Kersey. but obviously I'm I'm I would say in general valuing him higher than the Twins seem to I think that's value. Probably, him. That's probably safe to say. It might also be that uh, they do lose him in the Rule Five Draft, and somehow he does not stay on that roster right. for whatever, for the whole season, and he ends up coming back to the Twins one way or the other. Anyway, uh, so. let's see. We also since last we spoke, uh, Sonny Gray officially rejected the qualifying offer, so he's just a yes, straight up right. free agent. Yep, which is uh, not a surprise. There were. I mean, actually, there's been a, some some business, uh, not the Twins, but yeah. Aaron Nola yeah. resigned with uh, Chrissy's <laughs> beloved Phillies, like basically day one of free agency almost, right? 172 million for seven years, wow, which is a lot. Uh, I told you, no, I, me I, and Dombrowski like Aaron Nola. <laughs> I was a high man on Aaron Nola. I thought until I saw Dave Dombrowski, I wouldn't have given him that much, obviously. But well, when we, the Phillies are very uh, Phillies are not afraid to spend some money for right. sure. I mean, the, the Phillies. <laughs> This is Dave Dombrowski's MO wherever he's gone. Detroit, same thing. Boston, same thing. He will do whatever he can right. from a monetary standpoint or prospect capital standpoint to bring in yeah. star and superstar he level players. He is a closer. Yes. He's a closer. He get, you get him a good team, he will try to turn right. it into a championship level But also team. even right. within that, like – because, I mean, the Phillies weren't a good team when he took it over necessarily. Right. Boston yes. was not even a good team when he took it over. But – in Detroit, certainly. I mean, Detroit was horse ass. He took him over, you know, fifteen <laughs> years ago or whatever. Yeah. But he he takes, and this is probably familiar to people who play fantasy baseball. These kind of stars and scrubs approach, right. which yeah. his thing. First of all, it helps when you got a big budget, which he's had in Detroit, Boston, and Philadelphia. Yes. So he's he's picked the places well. Also in Philly, they have an owner, Middleton. Is that his name? I don't have any idea. Who's very <laughs> much willing to kind of overextend himself because right. he's a billionaire and he wants to win and be beloved and all that stuff and so he's kind of got an ear of an owner who's like let's you want to go get uh <laughs> jt real muto you want to go get you know want to resign aaron nola mike trout it's a great yeah we'll, we'll see I, <laughs> yeah, mean, I bet he's not done i bet um, he's not done either but then he will also keep like he'll bring in star players real muto is a good example he traded for him from the marlins right. and then immediately signed him to an extension right. like uh or a, i guess as a free agent maybe to you know 200 million or something like that same thing with aaron nola right. his thing is like we want star power, and then we're not just going, oh, we're bringing him in for a year and a half. No, once we have him here, yeah. and this is an approach the Cardinals often took, not of late, but like Mark McGuire, Scott sure. Rowland, that sort of thing. Albert Pujols. Uh, well, no. oh, they, did, they did sign him to a long-term deal before the long-term deal that he signed with the no. other one. Did he never had a contract extension? I mean, he might have, but they okay. drafted him and developed well, <laughs> But their thing was get the guy here, right. win with him, Show them how good it can be here, and then offer them a s load of money. Right, yeah, yeah. and the twins just don't really. 
take that approach. Now they're about a hundred million short of the Phillies. Let somebody of, else tear it down when I leave. <laughs> or, that's the other thing too. With dumb <laughs> that's exactly right. I yeah, mean, he sorry. got to two World Series with the Tigers. He yep. got he he got to and won a World Series with the Red Sox. Right. He has now gotten to the NLCS twice and once in the World, in World Series, Series yeah. and lost with the Phillies. He got fired like within eighteen months of winning the World Series for the Red Sox, right. which is amazing. Yes. But yeah, it's a, he's not. Uh, you don't hire Dave Dombrowski. To have a good farm system whenever he leaves. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, you yes, hire Dave right. Dombrowski to hang banners, basically. Yes, that's right. And you're going to spend money. And I don't know. It's a very interesting approach. I personally thought Aaron Nola was the second best free agent behind Otani. Most people had him, you know, in the four to seven range or something like that. And so it's interesting that not only did they give him a, a bunch of money, although that's really, it's like $25 million a year. It's the length right, that's... Yes. The surprising thing, but yes. they want to do that for luxury tax purposes. It's the same reason, sure. uh, you know, Xander Bogart's got twelve years. Yeah, I wonder and, how far over the luxury tax they are right oh, now. I'm sure they're way over. But it's like you could give him that same money over five years, right? And it would be more in line with like what top starting pitchers are making annually. Or you can say to him, "Let's spread that over seven years because then we have another eight million that we could give to right. a different guy and not bloat the luxury yeah. tax." Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then also on the much different end of the pitching spectrum the cardinals who had a horrible rotation last year just completely fell apart. and it was all free agents yeah <laughs> yeah they only had two guys left right, yeah um signed within the same 24 hours two uh former twins two old friends yep kyle gibson and lance lynn to very similar one year plus an option like one year 11 million or one year 12 Team million options uh vesting and team i don't remember okay. so i think so uh it really like those are the types of moves like to sign a kyle gibson like to sit there and go we don't have a good rotation we need like stability and innings eaten yeah. and all that is a very terry ryan-esque approach to free agent pitching yeah. that's what he would always do unfortunately he would be shopping like one aisle over from even the Kyle Gibson and Lance <laughs> Potentially, Lynn. yeah. He'd be shopping right. for Kyle Gibson next year after he had another bad year, like right. something like that. But this this regime hasn't quite taken that approach the same way or as often, although they did have signed guys like Jay Happ. I was going to say Jay Happ fit, fit that yeah, perfectly. Matt Shoemaker yep. was the lower end of that. It hasn't really worked out in general for them. But I do think it's an example of, you know, Having less money to spend, self-imposed budgets, which the Twins are dropping from, again, 155 to, let's say, 135, 140. It's never good. Like, spending correlates with winning. And I don't, you shouldn't need that explained. Like, having more resources available to you allows right. you, you know. Uh, but also, statistically, it does. Yes. Like, just so we're clear. Over decades. <laughs> right. Like, yes, right. Now, yes. that doesn't mean that teams don't sneak through and win despite low payrolls. Right. It just means big picture. You know, every additional ten million dollars, it allows you to add bad pl better players or have more more. I think more valuable, just more margin for error. Sure. Like you look at a team like the Yankees. Yes, they can throw around money, but they can also spend on Carlos Rodon, right. one hundred fifty million, and have him just be nothing right. and not have it crush them. Well, if the Twins were in that situation, it would crush them. Right. So, but I will say, it these are the type to me the type of signings that having money or not having money, doesn't necessarily hinder you. Because, like, okay, if you're the Twins, and instead of dropping their payroll, they were just going to raise it the typical 5 or 10% that you see 
Yeah. Off-season to off-season. Sure, so get the so, 165. Yeah, 165. Yeah. Now, they might be saying to themselves, hey, we'd like to add a veteran starter so we can put Louis Varlin as the sixth starter instead of the fifth starter. Sure. Maybe we want – I'm. they're not going to reunite with Lance Lynn. But, no. And I don't think <laughs> right. even Gibson. But right. let's say we want Kyle Gibson or Kyle Gibson type, whatever it is. Well, okay, one year, $12 million is what that that costs you. Is that more margin for error than just signing a guy – off the scrap heap or using a triple A guy or something. Yes. Yeah. But I don't think that's like a great use of resources for even the Cardinals, unless they're going to go out and sign Sonny Gray or Blake Snow. Yeah, well, I mean, like you're, you're paying just, a premium for sort of the, the implied mediocrity. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, they're just in such a unique situation in terms of, and a, a situation, by the way, that the twins faced, you know, three, four years ago yes. where they just have nothing right. in the rotation. Right. So, you know, you're trying to bring if, in if, some stability. Yeah, if they're taking a look at these guys as we, what we need is a number four and a number three, or a number four and a number right. five, you know, or or two number fours. So they need like a right. two, right, yeah. four, and a five. Basically. <laughs> right. The Cardinals, I'm talking right, about. Right, right, right. And you know, uh, this is pretty good for a four and a five. You know, if sure. if they if they go out and follow it up with a you know, chasing one of these bigger names out here. If they go out and follow it up with Sonny Gray, right. which also, by the way, seems like a perfect, like yeah, perfect Cardinals pitcher, right? Uh, well, then, then that makes sense. Yeah, then then it all makes sense. Now you've spent a fair amount of money to get that done. You're probably spending another twenty million well, that's on Gray. You spent ten like, million dollars on each of these guys. And, I think the right. Twins would like a mid rotation starter, which I would argue those guys aren't mid rotation starters at this I, stage of their career, but. You know, they're not that far from that sure. if you squint really hard they're or something. safe low of the rotation yes. starters. How about that? But safer. The idea that I, I – like that is an area I would – if forced with payroll limitations – if forced to deal with payroll limitations, again, of your own doing, but if forced right, to right. deal with it, that's certainly an area where I would not be spending a premium – to kind of establish sure. a floor, like right. yes, the the you like the you like the Dabrowski approach. You wanted to go stars. That's scrubs. exactly right. Yeah, and so how does that relate to the twin situation now? Well, they don't have the money uh, because they've said they're going to lower payroll. They don't have the money to go spend twelve million dollars on a fourth starter, right. or at least they shouldn't do right. that. Is that a good thing? No. I mean, you create more margin for error or more depth or whatever by adding a Kyle Gibson and then right. Louis Varlin becomes your sixth starter. And then when someone gets hurt, you still have Varlin, all that stuff that they would like to do, which they did this past year. But the value in and of itself is not that good. It does cause you to get like more creative. Like it doesn't help you yeah. not to spend that money on a Kyle Gibson type if you just don't have anyone to fill that role. But I guess I think a lot of what the – the negative reaction to the idea that the twins are lowering the payroll, and again, we talked a lot about this. I have, we have a negative have, reaction as well. Yes, I do too. <laughs> yeah, I think right. it's yes. it's it's short sighted by the front office or by the ownership. I think it really calls into question the idea of what their sort of true motivation is of owning this team. The idea that well, we we can't afford to lose fifteen more million dollars. Why not? Right. Like, yeah. what's your goal here to turn a profit or to limit your losses or to be the stewards of a community thing that people enjoy right. like but right. that's another topic i mean it, 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 i guess it's it, one thing if it um if it forces you to be more creative and then go get a better pitcher on the trade market or right. if it forces you to say okay listen because we're not going to shoot at this level we're going to shoot a little higher we're going to pay a little more or whatever that's fine if, if as a result of it you're like well yeah we can't afford gibson for 12 million dollars but we can afford so-and-so for seven million dollars like if it makes you shoot lower right well and that is probably the most 
I, I don't know if that would be the twins' most likely uh, way to d- direction to go, but I think it was right. most mid market and lower market teams' most likely reaction to that. Yes, but so like whether it's center field, like if the self imposed budget restraints are keeping them from like re-signing Michael Taylor for one year, nine million or something, right. or keeping them from bringing in a Kyle Gibson or a Lance Lynn type at the back of the rotation because they're 12 million. They don't have that type of money. They might only have 12 million total to spend this offseason or whatever. I think there's not as much gap in like value between that like re-signing Michael Taylor and right. just handing the job to Austin Martin right. no, at agree. the minimum salary. Or bringing in a, some kind of veteran for a one-year $12 million deal to be your fourth starter and just saying, you know what, yep. Louis, it's your job. Now, the the tricky part comes with if those young guys struggle or if there are injuries, right. yes. then what is your next line of defense? Now, because when you do sign those veterans and pay a premium for sort of placeholder veteran type of guys it allows austin martin to be your depth right. to be a mid-season call it allows louis varlin to start the year at triple a and join the rotation when somebody gets hurt so it does remove some margin for error but if ultimately lowering your payroll by 20 million just causes you not to be able to afford to give a one-year 10 million dollar deal to like a slightly below average veteran i don't think that really hurts you that much sure. in terms of the yeah. team you're putting yeah. on the field on opening day, I think it could hurt you during the season. So I don't know. I thought that money, it's not like those are crazy deals, obviously. I mean, a one year, no. 10 or $12 million deal for starting. I'd be happy if I were Ken Maeda probably and I saw yeah, that. Yeah, I would too. There's no right. argument for him getting less than either you're of right. those two. Uh, so between that and Nola, and then the only other signing of note so far was Reynaldo Lopez, who I know both of us liked at the trade deadline as a potential target for the Twins, signed a three-year, $30 million deal with the Braves, who the Braves, much like the Phillies, they take a different approach in that they tend to develop and trade for young guys. And then when, as soon as they prove to be star caliber, right. they sign them to a 400 year extension yeah, basically. Right, yeah. uh, and, but they, they spend money. And what's interesting about the Braves, they are the only publicly owned right. team. And so they have to open their books right. and uh, they turn a, a pretty good profit. So they're spending <laughs> $10 million a year on a, you know, setup man. That's right. But again, that's a really good setup. Man. Yes. I mean, potentially a closer that's level. A, of setup another man. area where, the twins have not shown any inclination to pay that sort of money for that type of player ever under right. Falvey and Levine, basically. Yeah. I mean, but certainly, again, yeah, it's absolutely against their. It, not that they don't like uh, high caliber players; it's that they don't like to play, pay bullpen guys a lot right. of money. Right? Not and, since Addison Reed. Yeah, I mean, I bet over the last <laughs> right. three off seasons they haven't spent ten million combined on free agent relievers because right. it was Joe Smith. They didn't do anybody last off season. It was Joe Smith before that, and then. Well, anyway, uh, so but that's another example of well, if you had twenty million extra to spend, maybe you spend it giving ten million dollars to a setup man. But the Twins weren't going to really do that anyway. And is that a great use of resources? No. But for a team like Atlanta, where it's just the cherry on top of an already great Sunday of a roster, you just go, well, yeah, we needed a reliever. Now we spend ten million dollars a year on a reliever. We got plenty of money. So I think that's the that's where baseball sort of. I don't know, inequality shows itself, but I also don't think that it necessarily has to be a huge disadvantage as long as you can find depth elsewhere and as long as you have young guys ready to step up, which I think the Twins do in Varlin for the rotation and maybe Austin Martin for center field. But I don't know. We'll see. That's 
know, when you talk about lowering payroll, everyone always thinks, oh, they can't uh, re-sign Sonny. Well, they weren't going to sign Sonny Gray anyway. Right. The lowering the payroll by like 10, 15, 20 million just means you can't sign guys for 8 million, 10 million, 12 million right. as like sort of depth pieces, which is what we're talking about. Call oh. me. Alex Colomay. That's yeah. the name I was trying to come up well, with. <laughs> true, yeah. And when they have, I mean, yeah, when they have signed relievers, I mean, oh. the Tyler Clippard signing was good. Sergio yeah. Romo, they re signed it. He was pretty good. Uh, there's a few examples, but yeah, yes. Colomay was. Uh, was that a bad, did not turn out to was a bad one. Okay, before we uh, get into some other news and notes and uh, whatever else, let's talk about our next batch of sponsors here BetterHelp. We've talked a lot about BetterHelp. So the idea behind BetterHelp is if you are feeling like you need some help with something, Yep. they can set you up with a real licensed therapist. You want to do a video chat, you can do a video chat. You don't want to be on camera, you do yep. a phone call. If you're a weirdo like me and you hate talking on the phone, you can just do a live chat and type. Yep. They will tailor it to whatever you're comfortable with. That's right. They will get it set up with a licensed therapist much sooner typically than if you tried to set something up in person and went through that, all the, the hoops you have to jump through there. There are fewer barriers for entry, right. which I think is important when someone decides, hey, I could use some help. Yeah, that's going to be such a barrier in and of itself just to say, I'm ready to talk to somebody about this. And then you get to the step where it's like, now what do as, I some, as somebody who's gone through that, I can be like, yeah, but like, where, do, who do I even get references from? Who do I talk to? Where, you know, are they going to fit my schedule? Do they do they have room on their uh, on their appointment schedule for anybody? So now you can just go and uh, with BetterHelp, visit betterhelp.com slash Gleeman and you will get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Gleeman. Storyworth holidays are coming up and I love the gift of Storyworth for uh, close ones, close relatives. Uh, you know, you don't know that much about your parents. You don't know that much about your aunts. You don't know that maybe you, especially before you arrived, <laughs> especially you know what before I mean? you arrived, they were, they had a life before. Yeah, it's before, weird to think about. Or, but yeah. or even while before you were really like conscious of them as being anything other than the, the mom and the dad. Uh, True. You know, I was like, uh, my parents had me fairly young. I think they were 25 and 22 when they had uh, had kids. Uh, so, you know, I guess I did know my dad when he was in his young 40, in his 40s. He was still my dad, though. I wasn't wasn't paying attention to, you know, to him, he was still this older guy. So the way StoryWorth right. works is you get it as sort of a present. It's a present for a person, right? father, mother, right. grandfather, whatever. Right. But it's also a, turns into or can turn into a present for the whole family. So the way it works is they'll get an email once a week right that is sort of a prompt it'll say like hey what was your first job or right. what what was the story about this from your childhood it can be kind of randomly generated or you can actually as the giver them, yeah. you know put insert some or pick some etc some areas of their life that so they're it gets them in. it's intended to kind of get them to tell some stories that maybe they wouldn't have normally told right to open up a little to think back in their own memories of stuff they haven't right. thought about in years and then the beauty of it is you can read it as they're doing it basically right. yes but then at the end of the year you can have it made into like an actual physical book if you that want. That is correct. And then it's sort of like a biography that's right. in a way. Yes, that's right. It's just stories from childhood, stories from, you know, whatever that you didn't know. And it's, I think it's a good way to like start talking about stuff. Let's right. talk about family memories. Yeah. And here's the beauty for our listeners because I'm like this. <laughs> uh, it does not require any shipping and handling. <laughs> I was going to say. And so if you're one of these people who yeah. needs a present like tomorrow for <laughs> yes, something, exactly right. Story Worth is perfect for that. And if you go, uh, you can... 
with StoryWorth, I'm able to give those I most love with a thoughtful personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. I got to tell you, that is really valuable. Go to StoryWorth.com slash Gleeman and save 10 bucks on your first pet purchase. That's StoryWorth.com slash Gleeman, and you're going to save 10 bucks on your first purchase. Okay. So let's, uh, let's just go kind of around the horn here. Um, I wrote uh, two days ago, I guess, for The Athletic about kind of the trade block like what does that look like sure. for the twins yep. and farmer features prominently i think he is the most likely oh, for sure. well i would think so player to be traded on the entire in the it's probably in the entire organization i would say a month ago when uh when we had you know sit downs with uh with uh, Falvey and Baldelli and such, and talking to some twins officials during that time, my sense on them is that they viewed Farmer as probably more valuable than I viewed Farmer as. That they viewed him as, at the time, the quote I heard was from a you know high level twins official was some of the effective. You know, if Tim Anderson isn't on the market, is Kyle Farmer the best shortstop on the market? They view him as a shortstop, and they think that other teams. I, I presume they got this from talking to other teams sure. that they view, they view other teams view him as a shortstop, and the shortstop market is especially weak this yeah. year. I mean, right? the, it, shortstop's bad. Second base is pretty bad. Even third base is pretty bad. I, I personally didn't think that they would necessarily take him to arbitration. I thought they would do what they did with Urshela. They would mo- try to trade him, take the best wow. offer they can get before arbitration. They, they did try to do that. Well, I don't know. I'm sure they did. Yeah. Right. But I thought if they, you know, if they couldn't, they would end up. You know, maybe not offering him arbitration that they weren't going to be interested in personally as a backup. Now, I think what might have changed on that is you know with a payroll cut and where maybe they are starting to get you know significant interest in somebody like Polanco, that they might say you know we might have a room on a roster for another middle infielder at a little bit less money, or you know he would be a hell of a good backup to have if we end up having Julian at second base or something like that. If you trade Polanco, which I think is a very real possibility, he was so my kind of off season trade block had four veterans because here's the thing: I can guess the four, of course. And I went through like you can go read it. We'll go over some of it now, but. The idea is, if you look at the Twins right now, and if you include Farmer now that he's been tendered a contract, they only have seven guys who are going to make more than $5 million in 2024. Well, two of them, Correa and Buxton, are long-term contracts with right. no trade clauses. Right. That's right. Well, they're not being moved. Right. A third is Pablo Lopez, who could be traded, but they're not going to trade Pablo right. Lopez. Right. So that leaves four guys who are making any sort of money right. and are veterans. Right. Well, Farmer, who yeah. we've talked about now quite a bit. Right. Christian Vasquez, who now is a $10 million part-timer or backup catcher, right. uh, two years and $20 million remaining on his deal. Then you have Polanco, who's making uh, 10.5 this season, and then a $12 million option or a like $1 million buyout for 2025. And then you have Max Kepler, who's making $10 million this season and then will be a free agent after right. this season. Well, those are the four most obvious veterans to trade, both in terms of age and salary, given their payroll situation, and also just team control. Like, Kepler's going to be a free agent after this year. Do you want to try to cash him in and potentially save $10 million, all that stuff? But to your point, so the, given all that, Farmer at $6.5 million, for all the reasons we've already talked about, seems like a very obvious guy to move. However, if instead you were to move Polanco yeah, and trade think, Polanco, yeah, right. then Julian is your starting second baseman. Well, what do you want as a bench player if Julian is your starting second baseman? You want two things. One, you want a right-handed bat who can platoon with him. When lefties are on the mound, he can start. Well, Farmer already did that a lot of the right. season. So when a lefty's on the mound, 
it would be farmer starting at second base. Well, what is the other skill set you want for someone who's sort of splitting time with or complementing Julian? A better defender than Julian. Yeah, exactly. Now that's not a real high bar, especially somebody who can play shortstop to back up Correa. True. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, mean, I think not that Royce Lewis can, but for, yeah, and Castro right. sort of could yeah, do it, right. I guess. But uh, and Brooks Lee once he gets up here potentially. Can do that too. Right. But yes, you're right. So. I do think trading if it were to trade Polanco, that would make it much more f- like logical or feasible to not trade Farmer. Right. I also think you could just trade both probably, and still be in decent shape. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Austin Martin could be I, your I get right-handed. It. When it comes down to with Farmer, is that the question is how much you're going to really right. get in return. Right. Uh, and so, to me, what makes this offseason, as we're still sort of in place – setting mode here for the offseason interesting is you have those four veterans two of which polanco and kepler are the two longest tenured players in the entire organization they've been with the twins since 09 i want to say something like that uh since they were 16 and they're both over 30 now so that's a long ass time uh you know vasquez who they just gave a three-year 30 million (laughs) dollar deal to and then Farmer, who they went out and traded for last year when he was making only slightly less money. Yep. But what's intriguing is I think it's it's very possible each of those four guys is traded. Like I would give them each like at minimum a 30 or 40% chance of individually being traded. Even Vasquez? Maybe not. But yeah, to okay. me, what is, other than Farmer, if you got to shed money – a $10 million backup is yeah. an awfully easy place yeah. to shed money. Now, I know they value catcher depth, but yeah. they also have Jair Camargo, who they thought uh, enough of to add to the 40-man roster, yeah. who could certainly be the backup to Ryan Jeffers. Like, yes, you're you're giving up more of a sure thing in Vasquez, but the sure thing in Vasquez was, was not a, that good of a right. thing last right. season, and he's also a year older, so... Uh, but yeah, I don't get the sense that they're like actively shopping Vasquez because they do value catcher depth. But if you just said to me, sight unseen, here's a roster, you have to cut 15 million from this roster. Sure. I'd go, well, there, listen, there's certainly value there, right? This yeah, backup sure. making 10 yes. million would seem like a place that you could potentially right. do that. Uh, and then obviously Polanco and Kepler, you'd need more value, but they're each 10 million. If you, if you, if you were to trade all four of those guys, you'd free up $35, $38 million. Sure. Yeah. Well, that would change the game completely. Right. Because then that's, you know, the $15 million that, that has to happen so early in the offseason. That, uh, that sort because of. Those, because those free agents that you're going to be spending that $40 million on are going to be signing early in the offseason. Yeah, maybe, although the Twins, that's not how they've operated generally with free agents. Well, that's I mean, they've managed to they managed to wait and get, you know, Correa at the last bit, but that was also a lockout, et cetera. Like, no, but they, there aren't, they haven't signed any prominent free agents early, ever. No, this, I, this front office. Right. Well, Ryan right. used that's, to yeah. love to go No, no, I agree, I agree with you. And they've, the, you know, Major League Baseball has changed a little bit in that we've seen some prominent free agents end up lasting until late right. February or March. But we haven't seen, an, you know, I guess I don't remember seeing that much last year. I mean, so. the, we always talk about joke about this every year. It's January, and we go, "What are the Twins going to spend their money right. on?" That's right. They spend their money on it. Uh, so yeah, that that to me is like such a big pivot point. Is like if you keep all four of those guys, the roster is basically already set, right? Yeah. And you you need to not add any payroll basically because right. yes. you're already at 120 million. Their payroll, I think, is going to be closer to 130 million. That's just like that's how it is. But if you were to trade all four of those guys. Well, then all of a sudden, you got money for a mid-rotation starter or a center fielder or a trade for a starting pitcher if you want to. And then all of a sudden, you know, Camargo's your backup catcher. Uh, you know, Julian's your starting second baseman. 
Yeah, Larnick is your left fielder right, yeah, with yeah, right. Walner going to right. No, I mean, they, there's they, so they, much. They have a lot of flexibility. Variance right. in there or You're flexibility right. in there that I think that's really like the, their circumstances make it so that like looking at free agent lists isn't that interesting right now right. because they just don't have the capacity to add a big free agent. Not that they do right. that often anyway, but the trade market is fat. Like we, they treat Farmer right. like he is going to be in demand. And, well, I'm not maybe as high on Farmer. I don't know that at 33 I would trust him to be an everyday shortstop or something like that. It is a very weak middle infield market. Yes, well, that's right. also true for Pol- – like Polanco would be by far the yes. best second baseman yeah, absolutely. free right. agent. Right. Well, so if a team just wants – and he's a two-year guy right. – if team just wants somebody better than it's a they weak can catcher get. market too, but we've got a weak catcher, so. right? Uh, and then corner outfield. I mean, it's a little subjective, but it's certainly, I, I think you can make the argument that Kepler is the sure. best would be better than any free agent corner outfielder. He certainly would be in the top three or four. We, we should just mention we, although it's been two weeks since we did a free agent uh, or free podcast, we did do a Patreon podcast where we entered a mailbag about a week ago. And one of the questions that was brought up was sort of what would Max Kepler get. Right. If he was a free agent this year, you know, and that that's an interesting question in part because it, uh, you know, it helps you get an idea of what his trade market is, where he would rank compared to the rest of the right. Uh, right, right the way you're going to get value for guys in trade is that those players or that player having excess value relative to their contract, right. and so that's why, like a, a super young guy, hmm. if teams are willing to trade a top prospect. Well, they're making no money, and they have six years of team control left. Well, they have yeah. huge value. With Kepler, he's in his final year, so there isn't a ton of value in terms of team control. But he's making $10 million. Right. Well, even if he were a free agent and he just, for whatever reason, told teams, I'm only willing to sign a one-year deal, he would certainly get much more than $10 million right. as a free agent. Right. So that's the excess value. So a team looking at the free agent market and say, well, we could either sign – so-and-so to a three-year, $40 million deal, or we could trade the Twins some value and get Max Kepler on a one-year, $10 million deal. Or same thing for Jorge Polanco on a one-year, 10 with a $12 million option. That beats the hell out of trying to sign like some mediocre second baseman to a two-year, $30 million deal or something. So I do think there's an opportunity there to get value. I just question like, are they going to get a a playoff caliber starter for either of them? I doubt it. Right. Is there going to be anything that necessarily helps the roster this year? How about that? And right. the answer to that is, I don't know. I mean, I think like, they would love that. To, they would love to trade Polanco and yeah. or Kepler right. to get like a mid-rotation starter. You know, someone better than Gibson and Lynn, right. but not at Sonny Gray's level. Like a, you know, a number three starter so they can push Varlin out temporarily, all that stuff. Is that likely feasible? I don't know. I doubt it. But the other way that you just mentioned is, well, you could also just trade Polanco and or Kepler for prospects. Use that as sort of capital, the same way like draft picks are used in others. Use that $20 million. And then use the $20 million to try to go out and get re-sign Kent Maid or sign a similar pitcher or something like that. So those, I think, are the, like, as this is sort of percolating, that's sort of what I started to have started to focus on a little bit more. Um, Speaking of Sonny Gray, he was runner-up for the Cy Young Award. Uh, Pablo Lopez also received some votes. They were the first Twins duo to both receive Cy Young votes since 06. <laughs> That's a long <laughs> right, time. Yeah, that was a long time. Was that 17 years? 06? Yeah. yeah. 17 years yeah. since two Twins received Cy Young votes, yeah. and that was Johan <laughs> and Joe Nathan in okay, 06. Okay. Both received 
uh, signing Wilson. I had to double check that because I was like, not that I'm under any notion that the Twins have had good pitching over that right. last decade plus. That's that seems like a long time. Surprises me a little bit because like every year, ten, twelve guys get Cy Young. I guess it surprised me because I liked 06, but I, what surprised me a little bit is that it was Nathan getting Cy Young awards as opposed to well, that's people were obsessed more with closers back then. And I guess and so, yeah. Stuff. I, mean, I mean, Nathan was great, but I mean, 06 was also the Liriano year, but Liriano got hurt halfway hurt, through the right. year. So. Uh, let's see. There was a couple other, uh, I just want to make sure we get everything. Um, this is about the division, not so much about the twins, although it's maybe relevant to the twins because the, of their own television situation, but the White Sox lost their announcer, Jason Benetti, who's a beloved announcer, also a native, uh, Chicago. And I believe, and a lifelong White Sox fan Okay, was signed away by the Detroit Tigers. Huh? which I'm personally selfishly glad that he stays in the division because he's just a super nice yeah. guy. And I met him <laughs> yeah. last year and all this stuff. My, uh, the Duchess of Marshfield, Becky is a big fan of, uh, many podcasts, not this one, basically all <laughs> other podcasts, but her favorite one is a podcast called never not funny, which is just a comedy podcast with uh, Jimmy Pardo as the host. And he's a White Sox fan. Okay. And they have Jason Benetti on as a guest oh, okay. like once every six months. And so she, who doesn't care at all about sports other than watching now the Chiefs and Eagles because she's <laughs> Team Kelsey, when we watched it, I was, I, in the second quarter, I'm That's like, funny. I wouldn't even be watching this game. Like, why are we watching it? Like, we got to see what they She's like rooting for Jason Kelsey now. He's like, it's really funny. That's awesome. Um, but anyway, she likes Jason Benetti. So I introduced myself to him and I'm like, hey, uh, I think you're fine. Uh, girlfriend's like obsessed with you. She thinks you're great on the show. But anyway, he... It's a very interesting story because why would a native Chicagoan who loves the White Sox, right. who has gotten to a point where he does national stuff and is certainly considered a top five local announcer uh, in Major League Baseball, how are the Detroit Tigers hiring him away? Well, first of all, money. But the Tigers' job is not a better job than the White Sox' sure, job, right. obviously, television job. But in reading about it, it sounds like – like many things with the White Sox, they're just such a poorly run organization. Yeah, right. Starting with Reinsdorf, who's the owner, but then also some of the other prominent roles that he just felt like, I'm not respected here. I'm treated poorly here. Why don't I just go somewhere that actually right. wants me? Probably give me more money. And we're kind of seeing that play out with the White Sox from a roster standpoint too, which is, I'm not saying they're going to be horrible, but they blew out the, blew out the front office, promoted their, uh, scouting director basically or player development director to gm which is interesting because right. yes, they right. haven't developed players that right. well uh, that's he, been their biggest weakness right right uh they collect top prospects but they right. don't really turn them into that much uh chris getz who's a recently retired player is now running the white sex and he said three days ago we're open for business everyone on the roster is available wow. and so people think they're going to trade dylan cease and maybe Luis robert and all that stuff which yeah that's fine full teardown yeah, basically their fire third, sale time, their third teardown in nine years right, or whatever yeah, it is right. with the White Sox. And so, as you look at the central, and this is part of what I try to keep in context for the Twins lowering their payroll too, which is even if the Twins lower their payroll to like right. 125 million, it'll still be second highest in the central. I honestly might be the highest in the central, right. depending on how much of a fire sale the White Sox end up doing. And so, you look at the state of this division for 2024. But then even 2025, 2026, like, I do think there's the potential for the Tigers to be pretty good relatively soon. We kind of saw we'll that see. in the second half. I mean, they did, they did We've said that to, before, right, too. Yeah, we, I mean, yeah. uh, 
But the Royals are nowhere close to being no. decent. No. The White, White Sox, Sox are, are actively tearing it down. Right, right, trending very hard in the opposite direction. Cleveland, I don't have a great sense of, but along the lines of what we've been right. talking about with, in yeah, terms of payroll. About non-tenders. They non-tendered Cal Quantrill, yep. who's a pretty good pitcher, over $6 million. And the sense there is their payroll is going to be maybe a hundred million, which you know, you can talk about how frustrating it is that the twins are dropping their payroll. The twins and the guardians are similar market size, similar. They had identical TV deals basically, except the guardians right. is still going, but they were both making 50 something million a year. And the guardians last year spent 85 million. And it sounds like they're going to be a hundred or lower again th- this upcoming right. season. So it's like, yeah, the, the twins in the context of baseball, it sucks that they're dropping their payroll and they might end up instead of being 17th in payroll out of 30, they might end up being 20th or something like that. But in the central, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Right, yeah right. Although I did think like, you know, the Padres had to take out a $50 million loan right. because they're well. They're, and, I mean, they're putting Soto on the trading block, right? right? So And some other guys, too. Yeah. Uh, so they're shedding payroll. Uh, like I said, the Guardians, it sounds like, are going to be sort of limiting payroll. Angels are absolutely. I assumed, you know, if you would ask me a week ago, that half the teams are going to have either, either neutral or decreased payrolls. Right. Except now you see, well, the Phillies yeah, are right. spending. The Phillies are, not, are open for fine. business the as well. Right. Yeah, right. for, so it, I, I do kind of fear a little bit that what's going to happen is that the overall money spent is going to be sort of uh, stagnant. But, but the, that the haves versus the luxury the tax is going to be driving back down the top guys. Well, yeah, the, but also like the Yankees, for instance, have always had a massive television advantage right. because of the Yes Network. They get like, right. I don't know, $200 million a year from that, whereas the Twins make right. $50 million a year. But that's not that's not changing. Yeah, that's not going away. At least in the, the short term. Right, right. And so as teams like the Twins drop off a Bally and teams like the Guardians prepare to drop off for Bally or, or potentially get yeah. dropped yeah. by Bally through bankruptcy, well, the, the power players who have their own networks are going to be at an even bigger disadvantage. So I wonder if that will sort of cancel out, like will – the Yankees cancel out, or will the Phillies, for instance, who are what Comcast must be or yes, whatever, will that cancel out the Twins' slight drop in that those teams might be like, well, this is our chance to really spend right. and put all these teams in their dust. But the beauty of being in the AL Central, and I don't say that <laughs> often, there isn't much beauty to be found in the AL yeah. Central, is that it doesn't matter. Because yeah. the most likely path for the Twins to make the playoffs, and by the way, the most beneficial path to making the playoffs, given this format, as we saw, you get home field for that best of three, is just winning the AL Central. And the other four teams in the AL Central don't know what the F they're doing. Yeah. You know, last time we saw this, I mean, I remember the, what, spring training of maybe 2018, 2019, where, you know, the luxury tax was knocking some people out off the top, but also down at the bottom, there were, you know, a lot of teams going, well, let's do that revenue sharing thing because right. and, and cut payroll slash payroll, et cetera. We had Marlins trading away um, Stanton. Stanton, right? Uh, and all kinds of the, the hot topic at spring training that year was, you know, A, this is effed up for free agents. The people who were free agents that year were really bitter. Uh, and the MLBPA had to, had to uh, answer to them because of the collective bargaining agreement they were in. But as a result of that, yeah, there were a lot of top tier free agents that ended up being available really late. That's when, you know, Bryce Harper, that's about the same time that Bryce Harper and, uh, right. and, um, Machado, Machado were, were signing, uh, you know, late February into May, into March. And I wonder if, when we see top teams, 
not the Phillies, but you know, teams like just team, you know, pretty free spending. Well, maybe not the Mets. I either. mean, the Phillies are pretty close to the top. No, no, you're there. They're getting closer I mean, now, right? I mean, this, top five, I right? Bet. I would top think so, eight, for sure, right? But we were seeing some of the top teams back off, you know, and we're st- seeing some of the lower teams also back off, right? Right? Do we have a situation where the free agents are going to be waiting? And you've got a lot of teams. I'm now. I'm probably biased because I follow the Twins most closely, but a lot of teams talking about, well, maybe we try to pick up somebody via trade versus you know, go right. diamond into the free agent market here. That was my assumption right? coming into this offseason <clears throat> that we would see that more of that than right. the status quo, and that would lead to, if not sort of stagnant salaries, then potentially even like a league-wide drop mm-hmm. in average payroll, which you never see really other than the right. COVID-affected right. year. But and, then Nola. <laughs> yeah, and then so now I right. wonder if we'll see that for half the league, but then the other half of the league will just be business as usual, and then the gap between them in terms of spending will be higher than than ever. Which is again, though, I mean, it could also just be Nola and the Phillies. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, Very and it, it is often it's not uncommon that this is about the time every every free agent class that we go. I can't believe that guy signed for. Well, that. that's true. You correctly point out most years right. that don't overreact to the first handful of signings in an offseason because almost by definition it's like a buy it they now are cherry picking yeah. auction <laughs> that's right that's like, right those prices to get a player to sign in november as opposed to let the process play out and get a bidding war going and all that other stuff you're gonna have to offer them a lot right like if they offered aaron nola 150 million he might have said well, let's keep in touch, but I'm going to let this play out for another two months and right. get everyone involved. And maybe when Otani signs, right. the Dodgers throw me some money or whatever it is. Instead, they said, we'll give you 172. And he said, all right, I'll do it now. Sign it now. Yeah. yeah. Buy it now right. option. That's and so right. almost by definition, and you look at these four signings that have already happened, Gibson and Lynn, right. who are not huge signings, but I think that's certainly a premium yep. as far as that player type. Ronaldo Lopez, a three-year, $30 million deal. I don't think that's – I think that's a reasonable yes, contract. I agree. But it's on the higher side for a setup, man, right. obviously. And then 172 for Nola, which is not an unfair contract, but it's bigger than I expected. It's not a coincidence that those guys are the quickest to sign. Yeah, right. And also there's a little sticker shock where right. they go, oh, wow. It's spent. So a month from now, maybe we'll look back and go, oh, no, it was just those first I mean, handful of guys. I do wonder if it's going to be a slow-moving free agent market given sort of all the decreases that we're seeing. Hey, let's cover our last couple of sponsors before we uh, dig into the last of our stuff. Uh, stamps.com. Christmas is coming, and this is the time that you, you know, if you are somebody who is at all into, well, I, listen, the one time I always have to go to the, the post office yeah, is, is the holidays, and that's also, coincidentally, the worst, the worst time, time yeah. to go to the post office. Let me just save you a little bit of hassle here. Yeah, stamps.com, you can print out your own postage. You can get it, you know, actually weigh it. They'll, we're about to tell you they'll send you. Right. Uh, a scale to do it if you right. want. You can get exact postage so you're not wasting money that way. You can print it out, labels on your own, so right. that you can just drop it in the mailbox. Or if you live yeah. in a condo, you drop it in the mail. And you can then track the delivery of those too because they'll give you a barcode and right. a serial number, which I was sending out right. autographed books five years ago. And that came in really handy because I was sending out hundreds of them. Right. And somebody would be like, hey, I, I never got my book. And you could actually check on it. All if that you, stuff if you're is running any kind of side hustle. It's a great thing to get for your business prior to the Christmas season. And then maybe you can also use it for some personal stuff as well. Yeah. <laughs> so if you sign up for stamps.com, Give your business the gifts of stamps.com so your mailing and shipping is covered this holiday season. Sign up with the promo code GEEK, not Gleeman, GEEK, G E E K. 
for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale so you can get exact postage on the stuff so you don't have to waste money just slapping yeah. on a bunch of stamps that you don't need. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com and click the microphone at the top of the page. You'll see it. It's a picture of a microphone. And then enter in the code GEEK and you can get all that. We're big fans of Harry's. We've been advertising. Harry's is by far our longest advertiser, right? For quite, No That's question about true, that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they might have been our original advertiser yeah. way back in the day. I'm still using them. Uh, I used them through entire a two-week trip abroad. I ended up getting a second Harry's razor just so I could have it in my travel case, just so I could use it on the road, uh, shave both against the grain and with the grain. I know it's always sharp. And so when I do against the grain like that, I can go a little bit extra, get my face a little bit smoother. And, you know, they and also you, just make it also convenient. They You can get a trial set which is, has a $13 value, and you can get it for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash gleam. And here's what you get in that trial set to give them a, give them a chance. A five-blade German-engineered razor has a weighted handle. You get foaming shave gel and then also a travel cover. They've, yep. over the years, sent us some samples of oh. stuff, their new products, and it always is much nice. nicer yeah, yeah. and fancier than yeah. anything I've ever experienced right. yeah. from a shaving yeah. kit before. Uh, and then you can s- schedule delivery for refills as low as two bucks, which is like half right. of what you'll pay everywhere else. And it's super easy. They just send yeah, it right you don't to your have door. You go to the store and wrestle with yes. the good product box. delivered right. to your place, super easy at a great price point. Right. Uh, get a subscription that saves you time and money with Harry's. Get started with the thirteen dollar trial set for just three dollars at Harry's dot com slash Gleeman. That's H A R R Y S dot com slash Gleeman for the tr- three dollar trial set. I. Uh, Okay, so a few other things. Uh, yeah, on the di- on the TV thing, this is just me reading. I don't have any great insight, but obviously the Twins deal with Diamond Sport. It's Sinclair Broadcasting is the right. big corporate conglomerate. Right. That They're the ones stuff. who bought all of the Fox right. Sports and then net stuff. Once they right. bought all that stuff, they created like a, a subsidiary, a subsidiary, right. like an umbrella to put all of those in, right. which is called Diamond Sports Group. Right. And then the local channels, as Twins fans know, are Bally. Right. And so they sold off the, the naming rights to those channels. <laughs> right. They were all no, Fox right. Sports that's North right. for. That's right. Uh, yeah. So the Twins deal with all three of those places, which are the same place basically, is done. So their contract is just over. Teams like San Diego and Arizona through were sort of kicked out of their deals right. because Bally decided they weren't worth what they were supposed to be paid, right. filed bankruptcy, and just said, we're not going to pay you anymore. Yeah. As part of the bankruptcy procedure, you can get out of contracts that you right. have with folks, and they got out of those contracts right. when they d- refused to make payments. Then you have teams, so there's three or four teams now, that, which the Twins are one of them, who just don't have a broadcast partner. They can go under the umbrella of MLB or right. figure out something else. Then there are teams like Cleveland who have a year or two remaining still have a contract on their right. contract yep. with Bally. And Bally has paid just enough through, to, after keep it going. to keep it going. Except right. now Bally is like, well, we might not want to pay you either. So they're right. starting to look ahead to the future, and that's why they're probably limiting payroll and right. other than cheapness for ownership right. is also a reason probably. Uh, but it's also an issue for <laughs> NBA and NHL teams. Right. Yeah, because the whole idea because behind Diamond Sports was that they were going to come up with a subscription, basically their own one-stop subscri- shopping, one-stop subscription package where you could get NBA and and you're a sports fan, you need to stream right. this channel because they're going to be the one that has live sports for right. these three and sports. Right. As of a month ago, Bally Sports North had Twins, Wolves, right. Wild, yes, among other things. Right. 
Well, now they don't have the twins, right? Because that deal's done. But they do still. I, I saw a lot of people who were like, "Wait, I thought Bally was done." And it's like, no, they still have the Wolves under yes. contract for I think multiple years and the Wild as well. But now what's happening is the NBA sort of took a more aggressive tact with this situation than MLB, in part because they had it, it happened sort of during their off season, not mid season. MLB right. was just scrambling to figure stuff sure. out. But what the NBA said basically was through the courts via their diamond sports bankruptcy filing, we will, if you agree to continue paying what you owe for this upcoming season and not do this thing you did with the Padres and the Dimebacks where you drop them right. and just say, Oh, we're not going to pay you what we owe you, which is ridiculous that that's something that can happen, but it's what, uh, we will agree not to try to get out of these deals from our end, but as a sort of middle ground, what we want you to agree to is all contracts will expire now after this season, 2024. This will be the huh, last that's year the negotiation on, on all these contracts. Right. We'll so treat right. it as business as usual so Bally can continue to do Wolves, for instance, mm-hmm. and all these other local NBA teams. But after this season, we're done. That's right. it. You're done. And so they agreed to that, Bally, because they didn't really have a choice. They're in bankruptcy. And now reading it, I don't think there's going to be a Diamond Sports or a Bally mm. existing after 2024 because they're no longer going to have anything, basically. And so that... As bad as the twin situation is right now, or as murky, uncertain as right. the twin situation is, and it's likely they're going to make significantly less revenue for this upcoming season and perhaps several sure, seasons. Right. This thing was going to hit the fan and already has sort of hit the fan. But it was good, even if they had 10 years left on their contract, paying $55 million a year, they'd be in better shape right now, except Bally's might have tried to drop them like they did the Diamondbacks and the Padres. Except the whole bubble is going to burst. It's basically already burst. Right. The thing, so it's a little bit like we talked about with the Dick Bramer uh, exit. The band aid was going to rip, get ripped off at some point here pretty soon. Whether Dick Bramer was uh, exiting after forty years or after forty-one years, someone was going to be mad that they weren't going to have Dick Bramer anymore. Sure. And from the twin standpoint, on the just overall television side, some point very soon. Having a deal with Bally's is going to yeah, not it was always, be worth it was the paper it's printed. This television bubble was going to right. burst. Right, the, the whole television bubble was based on the reason the Twins were making fifty-five million dollars. Right, is because they could, <laughs> is because of what you know Fox Sports North pulled off, and what Fox Sports North pulled off was we are going to charge every subscriber. Not every subscriber who wants to watch the Twins, or it's not an option. Literally, TV everyone has cable. Anybody who gets cable is going to have to pay several bucks per month. To you know, to get have this yeah, channel on your from your overall hundred dollar bill, right? Or that's right, from whatever that bill is, right? I don't, and I don't know which was I, a genius I, approach I for I, thirty I, years. Honestly, I used to be that you could find that sort of number out. I have not been able to find out what that number, whether that number was two dollars or nine dollars. Right. I don't have any idea, idea what it was. I mean, right. ESPN, just the national ESPN, is running into the same problem because they charge the highest right. uh, number, right? Which they got like because you're not going to get bucks. cable if you don't get ESPN, right? Right. But now that you're, people are sort of picking and choosing what they want instead right. of just getting everything rolled into you know right. their cable bill. Right. Well, now it's like, well, yeah, a lot of people still want the twins, but not 100 percent of cable subscribers right. want exactly the twins. Right. And so the yeah. that was a genius approach, the sort of bundled approach where nobody's going to look under the hood at what each individual thing is costing. Right. They just look at their bill, and we get three dollars from each person. Well, that's a lot of people. Right now, it's like. 
you're off. It was that. all hidden to you. Yeah, right. And now it's like try to sell your product now to people. Well, even if the twins get fifty thousand people yeah, to sign right. up, you get one out of every twenty person, uh, twenty uh, households. You have to, to opt into you it. You have to charge twenty times, times per more. Month. Yeah, right. To get that equal, and yeah. you can't charge twenty per, times more. I mean, right. Twenty times more is fifty dollars a month or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, so that that and and that was continually going up because it was seen as a hedge against streaming services to a large extent, right? Because the one thing, you can stream all these other shows, they're not urgent, they're not time sensitive, but live sports is time sensitive. Right. If you want to watch it live, you have to watch it. And it's the one thing you can sell commercials on and be pretty confident people are going to have to watch the commercials instead of just buzzing through. They're not as opposed to blasting through them, right? Well, now, it's clear to everybody that, you know, as sports goes to streaming, you know, cable networks are just Going away, right. right? And so every year it's like ten percent fewer people just right subscribe. You know, That's cut right. cord. That's basically. right. So, you know, as a result of this, there the bubble is going to burst one way or the other. The fifty-five million dollars that they're going to get, maybe it's going down to ten million, fifty million. I don't even know what it's going to be. I don't know exactly what that. I have not. I have not tried, but I haven't really tried to find out you've behind been, the scenes busy. what is yeah. what what's going to be going on or what one could expect. I can tell you what it ended up happening to what the Padres, right? It was the Padres that ended up they just took over two cable channels. They basically got two cable channels on that they had two different cable systems there. They don't have just what like we have Comcast basically takes hundred percent of the market here pretty much. They had one that had like sixty percent of the market and one that had like forty percent of the market. And what they ended up is they basically just got a channel. Like okay, uh, seven oh two is now your channel. You yeah, can just put called, it on the It's called San Diego right. baseball, like on direct TV. But ain't nobody paying them for that. Right. <laughs> right. Well I mean that they, they charged they, they could I forget the, what the number was, but they were charging at the end because again they had to do it mid stream they had to do it in the middle of the season right so they got basically took mlb took over the broadcast well that's true and yes, they that's produced right. that's it. how it worked right. and then mlb negotiated with like direct tv and comcast and all the cable and satellite providers to just give us a channel something right you know, at number 847 right and only for from 7 to 11 p.m every night it's Active. But, but Otherwise, yeah, it's yeah. just dead air. Yeah. Or there, there's, I think one of them. There was like an other, like it's like a, like a travel channel, local San right, Diego right. travel channel, or something like that. They had from seven to eleven. I, they had games. Right. I think I read again. Don't quote me on this, but I think I read they got fifteen thousand signups, roughly, which sounds good. But again, try to do the math on right, yeah. their deal. San Diego's deal was worth like a hundred million a year, right. something like that, and it was like a thirty-year deal or something, which is just proven meaningless, obviously, because right. if the whole or if the whole industry just collapses, having a thirty-year deal with the collapsed industry doesn't really mean anything. But think to yourself, how many people prior to the past couple of years? Just were paying the Padres for whatever their local channel was, three bucks, let's say, from every cable and satellite subscriber. And now think, how many would you have to sell at even 20 bucks a month instead of three bucks a month to make up for that? And 15,000 ain't close to the number. And that's the problem that the twins are running to. But I guess my point would be this situation was going to get effed up for the twins very soon. It just happened to get. effed up for them sooner than most right. because their deal expired right. this past season. That's right. Some teams like the Guardians or whatever have one or two more seasons left. So like it seems like yeah. it's status quo right, right. now. Yeah. But they're on the yeah. precipice ticket. Right. It's yeah. about to That's blow right. up for them too. And well so, uh, I think uh what you're saying with these you know, NBA and NHL deals is right. clock is ticking on the other two yes. sports as well. So it I mean it'll be very interesting to see 
I wonder to what extent the Twins can try to coordinate something with the Wild and the NBA, saying, "Listen, well, we're going to try. Too, we're going to yeah. try working with, or you know, with various cable uh, providers or streaming services or whatever. We're going to be able to provide this, this, and this. Would you guys like to potentially go in on a, right. a Victory Sports Team Network up. or something like that? Dude, is there something that we want to do on that? Yeah, because and we'll shut up here. I think we're near the end of the show, yep, probably, yep, but. Yep. Uh, it can be there's the potential for like the the s hit the fan for the twins a year quicker than it will for most other teams there's the potential to take advantage of that like to use this year or the fact that you're sort of out on your own here to set something up that is advantageous to try some things but there's also the potential to just not be able to figure anything out for a year lose a lot of revenue that you previously were counting on during that year and then just next year be in the exact same boat as 10 more teams or 20 more teams or 29 more teams who knows right and then just be like well we just kind of had a gap year here before our s hit the fan right uh and so that's what the twins are trying to figure out now which is like can we figure out something to do in this year where we're sort of on our own in uh you know in flux here that takes advantage of that, or are we just kind of trying to tread water and not drown during this one year, right? And then just link up with all these other abandoned teams, whether it's Timberwolves, Wild, other local baseball, whatever it is, and then we'll just join that group next year, having not made much revenue this past year, and yeah. that's the tricky situation. It, it, and then it's—I mean, the other thing is that I did not foresee when this all kind of came is how, how much late Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball advanced media is, is getting involved in it, right. right? Like clearly, they're taking over the broadcast on this. They might be taking over a lot of the broadcast rights on this. They might be taking over a fair amount of the revenue on this, right. and that potentially is something that could, you know. Be advantageous to small business to smaller te- smaller market yeah, but teams. What you're going to run like into that. is the big market teams aren't going to want to join. Possibly want to because if way. you're the Yankees, you're like, why am I joining as an equal slice of this pie when I got my own pie here that's pretty damn good? Like I don't need to, uh, you know, share money because my situation is fine. Although I would argue that the Yes Network is going to blow up too. Right. It just might blow yes. up a couple years later. Now they could. Avoid that by getting in place streaming options and doing that. I mean, the Yankees, if whether it's cable, whether it's DirecTV, whether they're uh, using tin cans tied to strings, right, right. the Yankees are always going to be an advantage right. relative to the Twins right. and other That's teams right. yeah. because they have a, a product that is in more demand to more people. Sure. Yes. And so whether the cable industry completely blows up, whether everybody goes to streaming, whatever it is, whatever happens to the Yes Network – if kind of left to their own devices, if it's every team for themselves, the Yankees are always just going to have a revenue that dwarfs the Twins' revenue. But if they're all like sort of forced to come under the umbrella of Major League Baseball, then that revenue potentially just gets dumped or half mm-hmm. the revenue, let's say, more like an NFL-style model. But again, the NFL isn't really apples to apples right, yeah, because right. it's just all national games once a week. Here's an interesting thing. I go think back to it's Victory. Very weird I think, situation. I think back to Victory Sports North. I don't know how yes, much you my, remember this. My right? only, not Victory Sports North. It was just Victory Sports my, Network, right? The only article that I ever wrote for the Minnesota Daily was about Victory Sports really? North. I interviewed, at the time, the president of Victory Sports North. I don't even remember his name. 
and I did this long story, multiple interviews, all this stuff, and I submitted it. And then they said, hey, we've decided we're going to run this as what we're calling an online exclusive. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's, a, that's like I need that like I need a hole in my head. <laughs> uh, my whole life is an online exclusive. This was like 04, right. 02, whatever it was. Probably 06. I think uh, of it. So here, okay. here's what I remember. No, it wouldn't have been 06. would have been earlier than that. Okay. Because no. I wasn't in college in 06. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't stay that long. Okay. Um, because they tried to start up Victory Sports North, I think, in like 2004, and then they didn't. They stayed with Valerie, or for, with Fox Sports Network for a while. And then that contract ended. And then they ended up not being on anything for half of a year, right? Or they, they ended up, they were struggling to get onto any kind of carrier, right? I don't remember them actually not being on the thing, but I remember like... Go for baseball was on it. Here's what here's what I remember is how it ended. When I remember not to go for baseball, go for uh, go for uh, basketball. Was trying to was on Victory Sports North and people couldn't watch it. Victory Sports, no, Victory no, Sports, no. something. Yeah. Here's what I remember about how it ended. What I remember is people were all PO'd about Victory Sports. It was terrible, right? And it was at the same time that they were trying to pass the Target Field initiative right and it got into like committees and this and that and the votes were very close to kind of get it past the committees to get it into the the legislature and basically over a 24-hour period they got the stadium approved and they dropped they basically said okay we're just signing with uh fox sports now right. we are we are no longer said, doing get our own sports, thing we'll right just go to, yeah. right and it felt like part of what they had to do to get the legislative approval to get enough votes was, was to, was to, to, was, to, to quit messing around right. with the TV piece. That though there was a quid pro quo at some point involved in that, right? right. That, and I don't know that that was. I would love to have a. Um, well, a, they also a, just couldn't a TikTok of the. <laughs> this goes back to what we were discussing about how the bundling that happened for 30 years right. was sort of, I don't want to say it was a scam, but it was very advantageous to channels right. versus the consumer. And what happened was they could not get cable, DirecTV, whatever, to agree to their price point. Right. And so they, the twins basically said, and I think they had go for basketball too at the time, whatever. They said, hey, we're starting our own channel. We'll have 160 Twins games plus this and that, whatever it is, ancillary hunting shows right. and all that. We need two dollars per. Subscriber. We want whatever it is, two dollars, right. three. I don't even remember. It was 20 years ago. But and uh, all the places that no, nah, we're not paying you that. Right. But they said no. We'll let you. We'll let you put on as an optional channel. Right. That people can do, and they can pay you know five extra bucks a month or ten extra bucks a month for right. it. Do you want to do that? And the Twins are like no, because that doesn't make us the same money right. that we were getting from being on a. Because channel here's the right. dirty little right. secret: is it's part supply and demand. But it's like, okay, we have this channel. We think the majority or a huge percentage of you know, Comcast subscribers aren't going to subscribe to Comcast if they can't watch the Twins, whatever right. it is. But when you're truly out on your own and you have a Victory Sports or if the Twins were to try to launch a Victory Sports 2.0 right now, right. they're on their own. When you're Fox Sports and you're saying to these places, we want $2 each, it's a lot more difficult to th for them to say, no. We're not doing that. When you have 20 local Fox Sports, right. yeah, right. when you have Twins and Guardians and Marlins and Tigers and whatever, because then you're losing baseball from every local Comcast. Yeah, maybe. You're yeah. losing hundreds of thousands maybe. of subscribers. It's just a lot more difficult for them to sort of play hardball. And so- but looking back now, if, yes. if there was a sort of a quid pro quo on that, that the Twins had to decide, listen, to get the stadium, we've got to give up on this network thing. Yeah. <laughs> Did they make the right choice? <laughs> 
Well, now you got people still. I, I mean, it worked out pretty well for them for the first 15 years because they had the stadium and they were get, getting a lot of money from Fox Sports North. They were getting a, a pretty good chunk of change yeah, from it. But here's the but thing. If they had their own channel this, right now, they'd be sitting a lot prettier. They'd be but they wouldn't right be. Because that bubble would be bursting well, for that maybe, channel too. They might have one more year where they're well, doing that. They, they go back to uh, you think Victory Comcast? Sports was going to outlast every other local channel? Like they were going to run into the same problem, which is that people the people who subscribe to cable are dying. Yeah, that's and the young fair. people who are replacing them as adults are not subscribing to cable. I mean, that's yeah. the that's the problem basically. So this again, and we'll wrap it up here. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. the thing I've heard a lot from people is. The two things I've heard, and I agree with the first, which we've covered endlessly on the last month of shows, which is there's you have every reason to be frustrated that the Twins are going to drop payroll. It sucks from right. the Twins, uh, from the fan standpoint. Right. Is there logic to it? Yes. You lost a bunch of revenue. Revenue is tied directly to payroll. However, when you're owned by a family that has $5 billion, the idea that, well, they lost $30 million in revenue, they have to lo- drop the payroll by $15 million or they'll risk losing money. I think a lot of fans are justified in saying, well, who cares if they lose money? Like, who cares right, if they yes. lose money? But setting that aside, I think the other thing I've heard from people is, well, why are you guys so sure that they're going to lose a huge chunk of revenue? Right. Can't they just start their own thing and right. make that revenue? They can try to start yeah, their own thing. it's a fraction of the money. But right. the... The circumstances, the world the of business local, model around it, yeah. the, the world of local sports television has been shattered, right. and so you couldn't even recreate the existing model, let alone try to launch your own model. The idea that well, can't the twins just figure out a different way to get fifty-five million dollars a year in revenue to broadcast their games? Well, that ship has sailed. Right. That entire House of Cards right. has collapsed, and so they can start their own thing. The bubble has popped. Yes, the bubble has burst, <laughs> right. or is very close to completely bursting. And so they can they can try to start a Victory Sports esque thing. They can uh, kind of get folded under MLB's umbrella and try it that way. They could try some mix of the the two. They could try you know some over the air broadcasts on weekends right. or certain nights. And it might be it might be more uh, easy. One of the other questions I think that came yes. up on the Patreon was, what's the value of the fact that now? Yes, they'll be making a lot less money in terms of actual revenue, but their games might be a lot more accessible by all the right. people who are streaming or where they yes. put it easy. They easily felt like the, about right. one third of their potential audience they put some on had access to right. games the last few years right. uh, because of the carriage disputes. Right, and so there is some benefit to them, some long term benefits to them. We talked we we talked a lot about that on the Patreon. It's worth but just out. in terms of why don't they start their own thing and make fifty million that right. way? The problem is they can start sale. their own thing and they might make five or ten, but they might do right. something and make back five or 10 or 15 or 20 million, right? right? They're not making anywhere close to 55 and that might eventually grow. They might find, you know, streaming services end up or being that, a new... Or that just might, becomes might, part of the popped yeah, bubble. Yeah, yeah it, might anyway. be, it might become part of, it, part of an 80 million thing in the future, 20 years from now, right. something like that. But yeah, it's, so that's so where there's a at. reset button here. Okay. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Thanksgiving. Thank you to all you guys yes. for listening all year. Uh, there we, will be no show Friday. No free no, show Friday. No, but we'll be back on the Patreon side if you're a Patreon subscriber. P A T R E O N. That's the first mention we made. Uh, I made a couple. I've uh, talked a little bit about the first questions. time I spelled right. it out. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, sign up for the Patreon. We'll do a show like Early probably next week, Tuesday ish, yeah, Wednesday, Tuesday, something like that. Uh, we got a few ideas for that. Uh, 
thank you in the meantime to and then the next free show will be friday a week from a yes, week from a week uh, this from friday. friday a week from friday uh yeah thanks to soda stick and game time and better help and Storyworth and stamps and here's the comment we hope you'll support them and uh, you know use keep some of them in mind for some of your christmas gifts uh, and otherwise, Patreon's yeah. a good Christmas gift too. Patreon is a good Christmas gift. Sign up gift. for the Patreon. You get your own little uh, password. You can sign up. That's you right. Get your own uh, URL that you plug into the podcast the apps. There is no good way to give like a gift card to Patreon. By the way, no. But you can just that create somebody an account and That's sign right. up for it. We yeah. can we can figure it out. Yeah. To be clear, it's not a good gift for men to give to their wives. <laughs> we got a lot of female <laughs> fans. <laughs> Just because you're a female non-fan. Well, I've got to get a new Christmas gift for you then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see how you wrap that. Just that empty box with a middle finger. <laughs> just says Patreon. Middle just finger the, in a box. Yeah, just the Gleam and a Geek logo printed out with the middle finger. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So don't if you know Chrissy, don't buy her a Patreon. But if you have other men or women in your life who are baseball fans, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Bye-bye.